faith a necessity for every believer. Hebrews 11.1 1 describes faith as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Having faith in God means having confidence in Him. It is an unwavering assurance. It is trust. But for there to be trust, there must be truth. In this season of Say Little Prayer Nigeria, we deal with a fundamental foundation of faith, which is truth. When we know the truth about God, about ourselves, about a circumstance, we will be able to apply faith the right way. And we will find that with the right word, not the illusions or adjustments man has consoled himself with over time, but the true word of God, backing our faith. Faith will stand. It will not bend. It will not break. It will not yield. Why? Because we are not deceived. Listen and be blessed. Good evening and welcome to Say Little Prayer Nigeria. My name is Sharon Tanko and I am your host. So, last week we started this season of Say Little Prayer Nigeria and our focus is on faith. We're going to talk on the foundation of faith which I started in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2. I made emphasis on something last week. Um, for you to have faith, faith is more or less confidence in God. For you to have confidence in God, let me even start with the basics. For you to have confidence in anything or any person, there has to be a level of trust. For you to have that trust, you have to have a certain knowledge. You have to know the truth concerning a thing or a person. To have trust in them. At least a truth in respect of the way you want to trust them or to trust it. Like for example, you trust a chair to keep you sitting. That means you have to have confidence in the structure of the chair. If the chair is looking like a caricature, like you can't hold a pencil, you're not going to trust it enough to sit on it because you know what a chair that is supposed to be able to hold a human being looks like. That's just a by-the-way example. So, bearing that in mind, I want us to focus on the foundation of faith. And that foundation this season is truth. And when we know the truth about God, it becomes easier to trust. So last week, we were in Hebrews chapter 1 and 2, and we focused on four truths. The first one is that we are the sole expression of the glory of God. Every Christian, every human being was born from God. And he gave us life the only way he knows how. So we are an expression of the life of God. We are an expression of his glory. We are an expression of his presence. The second truth that we dealt with last week was that we are not less than or equal to angels. Angels don't have any authority over us. We have authority over them because they yield to us they surrender to us our will 
be done. They don't control us, they don't give us orders. We are the ones that give them orders. Bearing that in mind, Satan is an angel. A fallen one, but he's still an angel. He doesn't give you orders, you give him orders. Which led us to our third truth. We are in control. It is my life, the way it is, your life. It's not your father's life, it's not your mother's life. It's not your cousin's life, your auntie's life, your uncle's life, your husband's life, your wife's life. It is your life. You are the one who makes the decisions. You're the one who chooses what to do, what to not do, who to listen to, who to not listen to, when to go, when to stay. All the choices are yours. Every decision is yours. Also, all the blame is yours. So going around blaming other people for how your life turned out can only work when you're a child, when you don't have any authority over your life, quote unquote. Or what every human being has a right to make choices, has a choice to make. Even a child has a choice to make. The child can either be obedient or disobedient, can keep your secret or can snitch on you. Everybody makes choices and how your life turns out is entirely up to you. No other person to blame, just you. Which leads us to the fourth truth. You don't have to suffer. Jesus took the pain. He took the shame. He took the humiliation. He took the, the sickness, the diseases, the chastisement of your sin was upon him, yet he opened not his mouth. He took all the blame, took all the poverty, took everything bad so you wouldn't have to. If you are still going through penance, it's because you chose to. He didn't make you go through it. He didn't tell you to go through it. Any pain, any suffering, any hardship that you're facing is because of a choice that you made or a choice that you're still making. You chose to suffer. He never wanted you to suffer. Still doesn't till tomorrow. Doesn't matter your worst sin. He doesn't want you to suffer. This week, we are in Hebrews chapter 3. And we're going to be dealing with two more truths. Truths that you can write in your spiritual diary. And I hope that it sinks in and it makes a place in your heart. But before we begin, shall we say a little prayer? Heavenly Father, we are gathered here this evening to listen to you. Father, let my words be your words. Help me to convey to your children what it is you wish to say to them. And Father, please, let their hearts be open to receive. I know that truth is hard, but please let them hear. Let them not ignore it. Let them not turn their ear from it. But let them hear, so that when the time comes and this word is supposed to work for them, it can work. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hebrews chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 12, 12 and 13. 
the amplified version. I'll read. Take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be any one of you with a wicked and unbelieving heart, which refuses to trust and to rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God. 13. But continually encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today, and there is an opportunity, so that none of you will be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin, its cleverness, its delusive glamour and sophistication. The truth that I want to focus on in this scripture is that sin is deceitful. If it is sin, it is deceitful. There's no two halves about it. Although before I get into that, I want to shout out to a particular instance. See, God doesn't hold you yesterday against you, and he will not hold your tomorrow against you either. So you holding it against yourself is a waste of your time. Every day is an opportunity to please God. So every day should be used to please God. Opportunity to encourage yourself, opportunity to grow. Bearing that in mind, be careful to not sin. Rather, I should say, be careful to keep God in your consciousness. You see, the thing that you keep your focus on is the thing that you will tend to do. I can say, I will not lift this razor, I will not lift this razor, I will not lift this razor. But I have spent so much time focusing on the razor that not lifting it becomes an act of real strength. Highly impossible because all I have done is focus on the razor. So when you spend your time focusing on, I will not sin, I will not sin, I will not sin. The thing you're going to do is sin. This is why we need to focus on God. Sin, uh, sin is very deceitful. See, Satan has had at least 6,000 years to study man. But that is special in that sense. When you're in this body, you're very predictable. Why? Because most of the time we're inclined to go with the flesh. And the flesh is usually more or less dependent on your five senses and emotions. Easily triggered, easily offended. Very, very much susceptible to sin. Let me use this example. Sin is a lie. It eases you in. It takes you in gently. It cajoles you. It, it calms you in until you're too far in to get out because you never really thought it through the whole life you always thought that mm, this will not apply to you and you step into sin just a little and then you come back down you got out you're fine then you do it again just a little and then you come back out and you're fine and then you think, mm, I am the master of this thing. It doesn't control me. And then you go in again, but you go a little higher. And then you come back out and you're fine. And you think that everything's going to be okay. But then you go in a little higher, stay just a little longer. And then you come out. And then you go in just a little longer. And then you come out. And then you go in. And then you don't come out. Because you can't come out. 
because you're stuck. Because the whole time when you had control, you never exercised it. You did what Adam did and then you gave the control away. As Christians, we know a few things. One of the few things that we do know is that we're all spirits. You're a spirit that has a soul that is clothed in the body. Every Christian should know that every spirit is from God. We are the expression of his glory. We are the very expression of his life. We came from God. We come from God. That means when God was, so were we. Because we were all in him. At a point, we were all in him. We are an outpouring of his glory. So the human spirit has been alive for as long as God has been alive. How old are you now on this earth? You would only ever get to live maximum 120 years in this body. But your spirit is old and will be old because it will live forever. Why would it be considered smart to sacrifice an eternity of life for a couple decades? But then that's why sin is deceitful. Because it makes you think that you're not really giving anything away. It's just this. It's only a little. It's only a little. It won't cost you much. God is forgiving. God is understanding. Yes, God is forgiving. God is understanding. But the wages of sin is death. It will always equal death. Whether it is spiritual death, whether it's physical death, financial death, emotional death, mental death, all the else. I said it before, all the possible deaths that can happen. It is a gift of sin. It is the only reward for sin, death. Want to know something interesting? Do you know that God invented pleasure? It is not something that was devised by sin. It wasn't something that was devised by the devil. It's not even just something for this world. A mere fraction of pleasure that we're supposed to feel is the pleasure that we can experience here, even in this body. But with God, there is pleasure. There is joy. There is a lifting. There is this lightness to your whole being, you feel it down to your very soul. There's a pleasure that this world can't take away. There's also a pleasure that this world can never give you. If you would just be willing to let him lead you. He gave you the body in the first place. He put that soul in this body, delicate as this flesh is. He made it possible for you to be able to feel pleasure here. Don't you think that he would be able to make you feel the maximum pleasure possible? Whether you are pleased physically, whether you are pleased emotionally, whether you are pleased financially. Is it money? He invented money. When Adam came here, he met money. He showed him the river filled with gold. That's money. That's mad money. What kind of pleasure are you seeking that you don't think you can find with God? He has it in abundance. So sin deceives you 
into delving into temporary pleasure. The reason why it's temporary is because it's only pleasurable for a moment. There will come a time in the midst of that sin where the mask is removed and you can see it for what it really is, but you can't get out. There's no more pleasure. It's just pain. It's just torture. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And you can't find a way out. That's the trap. And then it deceives you further into thinking that there's actually no way out. When on your own, you could find a way out. With God, you could find a quicker way out. But it makes you feel like this. The, the walls are closing in on you. There's no more space. There's nothing you can do again. There's nothing here anymore. Just death and decay. That's not true. As long as there is breath in your body, there's a hope for you. Sin deceives you. Makes you think it's good. It makes you think you're just living your life. But your spirit is old. It has been old. It will be old. It's here for all eternity. And it has existed longer than this flesh. And it will exist long after this flesh. So when you say you're living your life, are you really living your life? Think on it for a while. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 I want to get into the second truth I'll read so we see that they were not able to enter into his rest the promised land because of unbelief and an unwillingness to trust him sensing God is not going to make you believe him more you have to know him the truth that we're dealing with where there is no trust, there is no rest. The Israelites of old, they knew of God. But even if God appeared to you right now, right in your very presence, it would be very, very difficult for you to trust him. If all you're relying on is his physical representation. The way you can see him, the way you can hear him, the way you can smell him, the way you can touch him, the way you can taste him. That will not be enough for you to trust him. I'll tell you why. The Israelites, they knew of him. They'd seen him. They'd heard him. In fact, they heard him and they were so afraid that they said, Tell Moses what you want us to do and we will do it. The Israelites never knew him see they saw him as God they saw him as their master their Lord even a friend at times but they never saw him as their father and that's where all this problem came from think of your ideal father it doesn't have to be your real father it doesn't have to be someone that isn't existent would you if you were to invent to create the perfect father what kind of man would he be would he be that responsible man that cares about you that one that that is willing to show you the ropes take you through life guide you help you through your mistakes and things like that who is your ideal father as good as awesome as this father is that you have just invented he's nothing compared to God but I didn't really know that 
he was their master. They feared him. They revered him. But they didn't love him like children should love their parents. There's an unconditional trust that a child will give you, especially when you have proven to this child that all their best interest is what you have. These Israelites, the ones in the desert, they had experiences with God that if a quarter of these experiences happen now, people will believe that God is real. Maybe they will start doing penance. Things will get a lot crazier. But they will believe that God is real. I mean, the plagues of Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt. They looted Egypt. A cloud of smoke by day. A cloud of fire by night. They walked through the Red Sea. A wall of water on this side. A wall of water on this side. The same sea they passed through safely was the same sea that capsized the chariots of their enemies and drowned them. God fed them manna from heaven. When they complained, he fed them with birds. They drank water from a rock, a rock. But when the time came and they were supposed to trust him to give them the land that he had promised them, they didn't. And the irony was when they did not trust him and he denied them entrance, they decided that they were going to enter regardless. What happened to the fear then? Hmm? Fear is sin. What happened to it? You can only ever enter into a rest when you trust. You trust that things will be okay so your mind is at peace, right? That's how it works. Everything's going to be okay and suddenly you are at peace. The same thing applies when you are trusting God. When you trust him, you can enter into rest because you are sure that this ideal father, the ultimate father, has your best interest at heart. And if he told you to go, he told you to go there for a reason. He's not leaving your side. And you know exactly what he's capable of. And in that, you know exactly what you are capable of. Don't be swayed by all these other things. Just learn to trust him. Because if you don't trust him, then you'll never have any peace. If you take nothing away from tonight, take these two things. Number one, sin is deceitful. If it's sin, it's deceitful. Sometimes it looks like you're doing the right thing. Sometimes it looks like it's a good thing. But if you sit down and you listen to the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you whether it's good or not. Don't insist on your own knowledge. What do you actually know? Learn to listen to God. If he tells you to yield, yield. If he tells you to stand firm, stand firm. If he tells you don't do, no matter how good an action you think you're taking, don't do it. Sin is deceitful. Satan has observed you. He knows your pattern of behavior. He knows the things that would draw on your heartstrings and he knows exactly how to get you to fall. And you will fall if you're not careful. So be very observant about it. And two, where there is no trust, you can't have rest. Shall we say this to God? Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. 
Thank you for this word. Please, Lord, help me to be spiritually discerning. Help me, Lord God Almighty, to not walk in sin. Lord, I surrender my mind to you. And I surrender my heart to you. Let my mind, let my heart, let my soul, my very essence be focused on you. Help me to trust you the way I would trust an ideal father. Help me to be that child for you, Lord. The one you take pleasure in. The one that takes pleasure in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for staying tuned, for joining me this evening. God bless you and God keep you. I hope that you keep these truths in mind and you don't let it get away from you, especially this week. Don't be deceived into sin. Something may appear to be the right thing to do, but if you just hold back a little and watch with your spirit how this would unfold, you will realize the depth of evil in that action that you thought was originally good. Be advised. Don't let God be too far from your heart. Don't let him be too far from your mind. Until next week. Good night. The God we serve is the living God. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. But he is more than just God. To me, he is my brother, my teacher, my friend. He is my home. If you are under the sound of my voice and you want him to be all these things to you as well, please repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. I know now that you went to that cross for me, that you died for me, you went through hell so that I wouldn't have to. And I am grateful, Lord. From this day forward, I belong to you. I accept you as my Lord and personal Savior. Rest in my heart from now on. I surrender all that I am to you. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just said that prayer with me, congratulations. You are now a member of the body of Christ. Welcome home. And for those of us who have been blessed by this message and are led to give to the gospel, feel free to sow your seed at the following Access Bank account. That is 151-132-1721. I repeat, 151-132-1721. 1721. I assure you that your seed will be used solely for the propagation of the gospel. My name is Sharon Tanko, and God bless you as you give. <laughs>